the idea that people who do research or who do science are not connected to their work and that their standpoint doesn't influence what they see is idiotic. Welcome to Porn and Coffee, the weekly adult industry podcast, bringing you the latest from the greatest in the adult entertainment industry. Naked and caffeinated and ready to go. Here are your hosts, Jay Copita and Thomas Scab Helen. Welcome everybody to Porn and Coffee. My name is Thomas, I'm from PlugRush.com and with me is the magical and mysterious Jay Kopita from WhyNot.com. And Jay, today we have visited the doctor's office. Yes, we're going to speak to the doctor of love. Oh my God, she's going to kill me for saying that. The person I'm referring to here is uh, Chantelle Tibbles. She is... Yeah, a doctor. She is an accomplished author, sociologist, and I think she actually swears as much as I do as well. So we're in for a real treat today. Fuck yeah. Hell fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fuck yeah. <laughs> no, this, is, this is gonna be great. I mean, she she's a lot of fun. She's super smart, and uh, I know she's gonna bring a ton of great conversation to the table. So I think our jobs became yeah. very easy today, Thomas. Absolutely. I don't think she's the first guest that we have on here with her own Wikipedia page, but mm. it's just make her more important, uh, I think, in, in my humble opinion. Yeah. And uh, of course, you have a, a very important book, so we're going to talk about that and also some really strong opinions about the, the research that she has done here in the adult industry. Yep. So I think it's going to be a lot of fun. We're gonna also have. A, it's not gonna be a world premiere, but we're also gonna have some uh, some some news about uh, some, some some why not stuff. Right? Yeah, the timing is so, really uh, good here. I love it. I'm gonna pack it all in there, but to pay for it all, we need to thank our beloved sponsors, and they sound a little bit like this. You're listening to Porn and Coffee. While our hosts refill, here are a few words from our sponsors. Porn and Coffee is supported by ClickCash.com. ClickCash launched in 1996 with the single goal of helping affiliates make more money. As a loyal porn and coffee listener, ClickCash is paying you up to $200 for every new member you refer. To sign up for free, visit ClickCash.com slash porn and coffee. Adult Force is the worldwide leader in adult premium products. Adult Force is your destination to do big business with all of these brands, including Brazzers, Reality Kings, Mofos, Digital Playground, Pornhub Premium, Twisties, Babes, Wicked, Fake Hub, and more on face sites. We also have Men, Sean Cody, Bromo, and the newly launched Reality Dudes Network on gay pay sites, and Nutaku.net, N-U-T-A-K-U.net, to promote the latest craze, adult video games. So you have a choice of flat rates, K-Top CPM, PPS, RevShare, PPL, and on it goes. Just go to adultforce.com today and check them out. Okay, everyone, we are back. And we have, of course, another very special guest on today on this edition of Porn and Coffee. Someone who I'm very happy to call a friend, associate, and many other things. Wow, that really kind of came off weird. So we have... We have Dr. Chantel Tibbles. Yes, she is a bona fide doctor and sociologist, researcher, author, and just great all-around person. And thank you so much for joining us this morning, Chantel. Thanks, Jay. Thanks, Thomas. Awesome. Happy to be here. I guess let's just ask the obvious. How does an author slash sociologist slash doctor 
get involved in the adult entertainment industry. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, it's so such a long story from so long ago, but um, I'll give you the abbreviated yeah. version, um, which is I grew up in LA, born and raised. And when I was a young person going to school, um, I went to school, graduate school in the San Fernando Valley. And, you know, I did undergrad, whatever. The Valley, especially back in the early 2000s, was like a big porn central type of location. And so I was in school and I have always been interested in sociology, mostly because I really just like watching people. I'm super nosy. I'm super curious. And I have a real problem. So I'm like chronic eavesdropper slash observer. And so I'm in the valley, loving sociology, doing all this stuff, but I also started getting really interested in in sex and sex work and feminism. And so I was learning about all of this scholarship, feminist-based scholarship about sex and sex work and specifically porn, which I at that point had mm. no idea was sort of centralized in the valley, which you're like, duh, <laughs> moron. <laughs> You're from, I know, born and raised in L.A. And Let no me just concept. throw in a quick aside on so, there, because I used to live in Northridge with my parents for a short period of time, and I think my old man was actually had a proposition to use his house for a shoot back in the 90s. <laughs> yeah, yeah, lots of people do, and it's a pretty commonly known. But actually, you know what? It's not as commonly known mm. as you'd think. But either way, so I, I had no idea. So I'm studying all this stuff and I'm hearing all of these things or learning all of these things that are supposedly coming from or that not supposedly that are actually coming from other academics or researchers. And you got to keep in mind, it's like 2001 at this point. So information access is very different. There's no bloggers. There's no gawker media. There's no none of that stuff. So I'm reading these things about, you know, porn is so horrible, all of this historical research, da 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 In the meantime, I'm living in the San Fernando Valley, and I'm starting to look around. I'm like, that looks like a company. That looks like a place of business. How in the world could this be in this little sanitized valley that I'm living in? How could this be as terrible as people are talking about? No, it's a very, very naive sort of, you know, monolithic way of looking at things but back when I was 24 years old that sort of question didn't make sense to me in that juxtaposition I was like I don't understand so I started getting more and more interested in it and more and more curious and and started to realize that really the perspective from the civilian world was like this is horrible meanwhile there's like people family history you know in the industry there's all kinds of women working in this industry etc etc and so I just got really curious about it. And I mean, I, I wish there was more of a dramatic story, but I didn't know anybody. I had no direct connection, had no experience, no nothing. I just saw this, um, I don't know, this kind of false equivalency in academia. And I was already starting to get very, very suspicious <laughs> of academia and the university system, as it were. So I finished up my master's at CSUN and went on to get my PhD. And then when I was working on my PhD, it was like a whole nother level of Mm -hmm. clusterfuck um, Mm -hmm. where, you know, the idea of communicating with people in the industry was so taboo. Oh my God. And I, it didn't make sense to me because now I'm here at like PhD research level sociology. I'm like, Hey, I want to go and like ask people some questions. Nobody seems to be doing this. 
And that was completely like rebuked. And so then it turned into this whole like, well, you're telling me I'm not going to do this. You're telling me that your story is more important than other people's story. Fuck that. <laughs> I want to move on to another thing here that's, uh, you know, really obviously huge with you, Chantal, is let's talk about the articles that you've written. I'm sure you've covered what we've discussed so far uh, several times over, many for, you know, very well-known and important publications. Can you even remotely estimate how many articles you've written and published? And if you can also maybe talk about some of your greatest literary accomplishments. So <laughs> I've never thought about my work as greatest literary accomplishments. Yeah, so I'll take well, it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I write in, um, I guess, three different, maybe four different forms, but primarily three. So I do conventional academic research and that's, you know, what I have the longest in terms of years of experience. And I have quite a few, you know, in, in the academic world, it takes a long time for papers to be published and you, they're very, very limited access, et cetera, et cetera. But I have six or seven, you know, peer reviewed research articles that are everything from content analysis of porn over decades to what it's like to be a lady in the workplace, to stuff about performers' rights um, in terms of condom use and barrier protection. And, you know, those are things that, you know, you do the big data gathering and write these big theses and they get published in these journals. And again, pretty limited access. But I have that work. And I got a lot of, I started to feel very frustrated with that because I did this one paper in particular that it was just so important to me. It was from when I was doing my PhD research and um, it was a, a piece pulled from my dissertation that was about being a woman working in a porn office basically and, and what happens and you know just sex worker stigma and stuff like that. So I was working in a production office and that was my data gathering. And this paper took over two years to publish from yeah, from when I, I did the work, so I had, that was months, right? That was six months worth of data gathering, so just that. And then I wrote the whole thing, so that was probably another six months. And then I submitted it. And from the time I submitted it till the time it was published, early review too, so just published online, it was two years and two months, wow. if I remember correctly. That is ridiculous. That's, yeah. I mean, that's that's just so like what... How is anything that I'm doing right now useful? Dated, this is yeah. so dated. This is so right. stupid. Oh, my God. So that was one of the, like, middle articles when I was still completely in academia. But it was something like that, like, just so absolutely frustrating that what I started to do, you know, off in the corner of my uh, totally empty days, <laughs> somehow I found my free time, uh, I started working, writing for, like, mainstream media. And so I do a lot of that now too. So I've written for anything from like random blog sites to, I mean, I've written for Vice and for Playboy, for Mike, you know, websites with very, very high Alexa rankings. And I just write, you know, little stories. So anything from visiting a sex toy warehouse to, you know, racial inequality in porn production to, oh my God, I've written so many of them. It's, it's a lot. Um, profiles of performers. I wrote one really, um, I thought it was really lovely, but it was a profile of Barrett Blade and Eric Masterson. And I wrote that about a year and a half ago. And it was just, 
you know, about the the career arc of guy performers and also like their interpersonal relationship because they're really close friends. And, you know, nobody ever talks about guy performers. So just just random things like that, like whatever I can find, you know, that I find interesting. And then also that I can get a pitch through because that's also a challenge is I will go with something. I just had something that was on the table for Vice actually just today. Mm. And I won't tell you the story, <laughs> but it was something that was like, it was about a pretty volatile topic in the industry that one editor liked and, you know, really challenging stuff. But then their secondary editor was like, oh, I feel uncomfortable with this. We can't do this right now. And so they, they killed the uh. pitch. And that's really frustrating because there's so many stories and issues and, and things that, um, oh, another one that I wrote that I was really proud of was the piracy of yeah. porn via yeah. GIF. And that one, I was like, oh, I love this story. <laughs> but it's, it's a matter of finding the stories and then getting them through. And I tell you, it is sometimes so impossible and then you hear this like public fray why don't you write about this why aren't you talking about blah 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 da, 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 da. i'm like i would write about it somebody is publishing these assholes <laughs> somebody has to publish it but how yeah. does that work? So, is it mainly you coming up with the pitch or is it like me if i have a blog and i say uh, is porn bad for you yes or no and then you go out and do the research i mean you pitch them or is there like specific topic coming to you it depends. So sometimes, sometimes I get people will send me, you know, like it's almost like any re reporter or writer will get pitches from, you know, like publicists and stuff. They're like, Oh, write about this, write about my, you know, wipes or my yeah. <laughs> whatever. So-and-so is doing anything. And something that's interesting. There was somebody who sent me a pitch one time about a sex toy vending machine. And I wrote a story about it in men's health. Cause I was like a sex toy vending machine. Who the hell is going to buy a sex toy from a vending machine? Wow. So I had to figure it out. <laughs> So that, you know, sometimes that happens and, you know, but I still have to take that. Like when people tell me, Hey, don't you want to write about this? I still then have to sit down, write a pitch and then send that pitch to whatever editor. And then that editor has to take the pitch and like it themselves and then get their editor to approve it. So it's this whole cluster. How, how long is the pitch then? <laughs> it's like a one, one pager thingy that you send in. And if they like it, you go down with the 12 um, pager or <laughs> generally they're generally um, a pitch for something like that is something like one to three paragraphs, oh, yeah. depending the shorter, the better. And I mean, but we're talking about, you know, internet media in 2016. Yeah. So these end up being stories that are, you know, 800 to 1200 words. I've done a couple long form yeah. pieces, but I mean, 2000 words is considered long yeah. form nowadays. Yeah. So, you know, these are generally That's short sad. things. Yeah, the diminished <laughs> attention span. It's unbelievable. I mean, if I see a video that I may or may not be interested in watching, you know, if it shows more than 90 seconds for the video, I might not even click it. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have time Jesus. for this. <laughs> <laughs> the reason why Twitter becomes so but, popular, but uh, yeah. Seriously. <laughs> but I guess the, the whole point, though, is that I, I started doing that kind of writing and really putting a lot of effort to that because that's where the, the traffic and the eyeballs are. You know what I mean? Like I had um, a girlfriend of mine who does a lot of cam work and also has a PhD in sociology 
she, you know, we talk, you know, behind, it's not a public thing that people know about her, but we were talking and she was telling me how, I don't remember if it was an article she had published or one of her friends, but something that was like sex work related. And you can keep track of how many times somebody, you know, who has access to it's already very limited, keeps track, keeps track of how many times it's even been clicked on. So who knows if it's even been read. And this was an article that somebody spent, you know, a lot of effort, you know, it's an academic research article. And I think that she said that it had been clicked on something like 500 times. <laughs> 500 this this yeah. article meanwhile i wrote something about you know so and so who makes gift porn for a living this woman i know and it got something like 300,000 hits in yeah. a week <laughs> like, and they keep track of it so it's like that getting these little pieces they're not quote unquote academically rigorous or whatever articles, but they're done well, they're well researched. I do them to my standards. So it's not like I'm just pulling quotes out of my ass or something. And more people see them and more people get exposed to different corners of the adult industry that way. And so that makes me feel like I'm actually doing the sociology versus just giving the sociology back to other sociologists that don't actually need it, I don't think, but I don't know. And I guess the third thing is I wrote a book, so there's that too. That is true. <laughs> and uh, how, how did you come about writing this book? My book's called Exposure, A Sociologist Explores Sex, Society, and Adult Entertainment. Mm -hmm. yep. And that, I know, it sounds so titillating. It has a wonderful fuchsia cover with a banana on it. You know what? I think we can coin a new word now. We're going to call it Tibbled. What? Ooh. Tibbled. <laughs> yeah, I feel very tibbled right now. Yeah. Uh, does that mean you're listening to me talk without breathing for over 10 minutes? Yeah. That's a pretty I good pay for that. The book, I mean, the book basically came about, so there's, there's all of this, like, academic balance stuff oh you're supposed to write about these things but not personally be involved you're supposed to tell the stories of others but not absorb the stories but also not include your standpoint I think that stuff is bullshit part of the reason why I can do the work I do is because I'm me part of the reason why I became interested in you know adult entertainment was because I was in the valley from the valley, I started to see the the juxtapositions and, and all of that. Like the idea that people who do research or who do science are not connected to their work and that their standpoint doesn't influence what they see is idiotic. Like you can look at anything. I mean, right now the three of us are having this conversation and all three of us are experiencing it differently because it's filtered through our ourself, okay. right? So I would get all of these these I would try and, and do the the quote-unquote academic thing of like here is this work here is this article but in the meantime I would get all of these questions on the back end about like why do you give a shit why do you care did your friends find this weird like tell me more about yourself and as a an academically trained person I'm like oh no 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 I'm not supposed to do that like my opinions don't matter my biography doesn't matter. Well, it does matter. And, you know, after so many years of trying to fight with that, I was like, you know what, this, this piece of the conversation and this piece of all of my work, like that needs to be there too. 
So I wrote Exposure and it's a little bit autobiographical and, you know, explains a little bit about my story, but it also is little snippets of, you know, going through the industry and different experiences I've had and what it makes me think about. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because it's a, it's a weird book. Um, it's definitely not a quote unquote research project. Um, but I think it's highly sociological and it explains a lot about the work that I do. So that was you know, basically how that came about, was adding that last piece to all this work yeah. that I do. But okay. all of this work that you do have also made you very well connected with uh, many of the porn star and, and video and novelty sectors. Uh, how did that come uh, come to be? I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I and I'm I'm very. It, it's just funny because there's, and and I think in anything there's this idea about like philosophically or epistemologically what things are supposed to be like. Like we want to do things that give back to the community. We want to do things that uplift other people. Blah 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 blah. Right. But then there's also the reality of it, which is the university is paying me, so I have to go in and go out and leave. Or in the case of porn specifically, you know, it's very, very, it makes people very, very uncomfortable. So I can be interested in it, but I can't be too interested because we don't want people to think that I actually like, you know, approve or whatever. So there's there's all of these really nasty juggling acts that you're supposed to do. And I just couldn't do those things. And so as I was working, you know, starting from like day one back in 2004, I went and I, you know, worked at a production company and then I worked at a novelty company and then I would get involved with talking to media. And then I felt funny about like, Hey, people, can you guys tell me your whole life story so I can then take it back to my stupid university and publish this and further my career? I felt really uncomfortable with that. So I started trying to find ways that I could contribute my own self. So I would help organize panels. I would write op-eds, you know, like panels at conventions Mm. and stuff and try and find ways to you know, participate, give back sounds so douchey, but to, to engage, you know, like, like try and find ways to not be this asshole that was like, tell me all of your sticky stories and then let me go back to my school and do whatever with it. So I've always kind of approached it like that. And, and again, like I was saying before, like you can't, you can't, get involved with people and and see all of the just twisted, nasty things that happen. I mean, anything from, I had, when I was teaching at Cal State Northridge a couple mm. years ago, I had Tanya Tate come and speak at my class. And I know you, that she's been a guest Absolutely. on one of your shows. And she went not to speak about porn. She went to talk about being a publicist. And she went to the university, came did like everybody else took time out of her day because the university wouldn't pay any of the speakers. (laughs) Of course not. And she went to the class and just like everybody else, she sat in the classroom, talked to hundred students for an hour and a half about her work as a publicist. I specifically asked her only the kids were so nice. Like the students were great. They were like, Oh my God, you're so awesome. You know, I mean, it's a cool, you the university was not, and my department got wind that I had had a porn star on campus because I didn't. I said, you know, this, and I, I used her legal name when I was getting her clearance, and I said she's coming here to speak about being a publicist, and that's what she yeah. was doing. 
She And she did not mention one single thing. She talked about that aspect of her work. The fact that I had to have her do that in the first place sure. made me mad. But she wanted to come and talk to, and it was a class about gender and work too. So she was talking about being a woman in PR and, and all of this stuff. It's perfectly on yeah. topic. So, I mean, like, it's so ridiculous considering that Northridge is, you know, a very centralized location in the valley. And I mean, minutes away from the AVN studios. Probably I mean, many of the students are all There are so many performers that go to yeah. school there. There's yeah. so many. You're listening to Porn and Coffee. While our hosts refill, here are a few words from our sponsors. Porn and Coffee is supported by ClickCash.com. ClickCash launched in 1996 with the single goal of helping affiliates make more money. As a loyal porn and coffee listener, ClickCash is paying you up to $200 for every new member you refer. To sign up for free, visit ClickCash.com slash porn and coffee. Adult Force is the worldwide leader in adult premium products. Adult Force is your destination to do big business with all of these brands, including Brazzers, Reality Kings, Mofos, Digital Playground, Pornhub Premium, Twisties, Babes, Wicked, Fake Hub, and more on Face Sites. We also have Men, Sean Cody, Bromo, and the newly launched Reality Dudes Network on Gay Face Sites and Nutaku.net. N U T A K U.net. To promote the latest craze, adult video games. So you have a choice of flat rates, K-Top CPM, PPS, RevShare, PPL, and on it goes. Just go to adultforce.com today and check them out. You know, I wanted to actually shift gears here a little bit. I don't know how this is going to work in with the, the flow of things as it is, but I, I actually wanted to make an announcement here. The timing is kind of weird, but great at the same time in that Chantel is going to be one of our newest well, you're already kind of writing for us right now, Chantel, at Why Not. But now yes. you're going to be working with us with WhyNotCam.com okay. uh, and other properties with Why Not. And, you know, we couldn't be more thrilled to have you on board with us in a greater capacity than you already are. Yes, I'm excited about it. Mostly because of the cam aspect. Yeah. Because, you know, we've been talking about all this historical Chantel history stuff. But, I mean, moving into the, the world today... It is so interesting to think about how important Cam is, but how in the civilian world, how it is so like ugh, Cam, like yeah. what is that? And yeah, a lot know. of times you'll 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 mention Camming to someone who's not in the biz, and they won't know what you're talking about. Where it's just like I don't know, we just kind of take these buzzwords for granted because it's so obvious to us. But yeah, I mean, we've got WhyNotCam.com which is, hmm. you know, a news resource and support site specifically for the cam girl industry. And hmm. Chantel is more or less going to be the face of the site, working with our social media and building that up. I've already been hit up by a number of studios and uh, some of the cam networks, some more popular ones, you know, like I'm live, uh, cams.com, flirt for free, a few others. So we've got some great things coming around and we couldn't be more thrilled to have you on board. Obviously, uh, you're very well liked in the industry and you're, you're a great personality and these are important things to us. And I mean, I really think though that what is happening with Why Not Cam is important because people talk a lot about wanting you know, information and wanting disclosure and wanting workers to be happy and wanting cameras, for example, to be happy. But let's just take steps to actually like disseminate information and talk about the way things work and find ways to like get everybody 
in a place where everybody can be successful and everybody can like move into the industry in a positive way. That's so important. And it, it's, it's interesting, you know, to have this one foot in one foot out kind of standpoint. And, and you hear so much about, Oh, these poor sex workers or Oh, this, you know, Oh my God, it's, you think that you're, you know, being, you know, miss independence, but you're really just a, a tool of the patriarchy. And that sort of stuff is still talked about in those ways. And so you see women who are working in this business, you know, becoming very successful and doing a lot of stuff and operating totally outside of these nine to five yeah. norms. And there's, there's not really any place where people can go and kind of understand the community aspect of what it is that they're doing and that sort of stuff is so important so uh you you do a lot of research and uh, you are very involved in the porn industry but is there anything else that you do when you are not dealing with this thing like yeah. outside the industry no I don't do anything else. <laughs> what do you do? It's all I do. <laughs> I mean, I heard you are really into yoga. I am. I started doing yoga in 2008 because I, I'm really, this is so terrible, but I'm like a really physical, competitive person. <laughs> that, me and Jay too. And me I, and Jay too. <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> and I hurt myself. Um, kind of not badly, not like a car accident or hurt myself, but I hurt myself. And I was just, it was just all oh, stress and whatever. So I started doing yoga in 2008 because of all of this, this, this things. And man, is it the most amazing thing. So I've been doing yoga really, really actively for a long right. time now. So I do that. Um, I also, I have turned into in my as a as a middle aged lady in her late thirties, <laughs> middle aged yet, <laughs> stop it. <laughs> I don't know, man. The, the average life expectancy for humans is getting me pretty close to yeah, middle maybe. aged. Uh, but I've turned into this raging pit bull advocate. I have two rescue pit bulls that are just like the most the the cutest things and the best things ever and it is very interesting um to be involved in that space and you know I, I don't know I just like to work with your dogs and teach your dogs but also to think about you know it's it's not just porn that people have totally uninformed stereotypical misconceptions it's also about innocent sweet little sure. dogs well, you know it has to do with the owners <laughs> so. and the way they're raised you know it's funny I had to bring this up because I will never forget when you quoted this. You were able to do some move in yoga where you pull your foot behind you. You can rest it on your head while you're standing on another foot. You look like a stork or something like that. Yes. And I remember your caption. Your caption underneath that this is so fucking hilarious. said something like, uh, fuck yeah. I know this isn't very yoga of you though, but fuck yeah or something like that. You remember that? That's really hard to do. Yes. No, I do Absolutely. remember that. <laughs> Well, you know, <laughs> no, it's, I have a really close girlfriend that I do, like we do yoga together and go to different trainings and things and just, just stuff. And that's one thing that we, we always start a little insider thing. Like it's not very yoga of me to say this, but did you see, or did you hear, or oh my yeah. God. <laughs> it's the way we qualify our sayings when we're being like catty or twatty yeah, or whatever. You're like kind of saying namaste motherfucker. Yeah. Yeah, that too. Like, 
All right. Well, on that note, since we're kind of getting loopy here, um, yeah. let's bring this to the last question <laughs> and see if we could possibly embarrass you. Ooh. Yeah. No, Ooh. you know, you're very forthcoming about things. Chantel, do you have, male or female, any kind of industry crush that is soon to be not so secret anymore? Oh, my God. You know, it's yeah. so funny that you ask that because I used Ooh. to. Like, back in the very early days, I totally had, like, I don't even care. I'll totally admit this because he knows that this is true. I used to have such a crush on Eric Masterson. Mm. Like, a like a deep and meaningful crush because he's so funny. <laughs> and I was working with a company that he would work with a lot. So I knew in my very earliest days, I like, knew him. I'm like, oh my God, this guy's so funny. And then he was in this one really good scene that I saw and I was like, oh, I love him. Now I've known the guy for 12 years and he's like a close sure. buddy. So my crush on him has turned into this, you know, platonic uh, love. But Yeah, I'm actually looking at his Twitter page right now, Eric Masterson X. Oh, he's the best, the best. But it's funny because... You know, as you as you go on and move on, you know, there's all kinds of people who, yeah, like their your your work is amazing, you know, you have a great like presentation of self and people. There's all kinds of people who are beautiful and alluring, but as you move in through the industry, you start to know people, and it becomes almost less likely to have like some big hot crush. I mean, certainly there's like people who are yeah. amazing, Thank but. You that that's it really starts to fall away yeah no now i'm I, my the recent in the last uh, 45 minutes i've developed a huge crush on thomas You've done a lot of research. because i don't know I mean, him very well <laughs> <laughs> but once i know you for four more minutes and it's passes a 50 mark and i'm like you know thomas is a real person <laughs> and i can't just objectify him for his body <laughs> that is true but yeah, no, my my one one true industry crush from a decade ago was Eric Masterson all the way. <laughs> Good guy, absolutely. Well, I think that is uh, really all we have uh, time for in this episode. Yeah. Thank you so much for taking part of this episode of Pouring Coffee. Of course. Thank you so much yeah. for having me. But in the meantime, for everybody else, we have a new fresh episode for you next week. So uh, work hard, be nice to people, and try not to get lost and killed. Great advice. Thank you so much. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for listening to Pouring Coffee. Be sure to check out what's brewing with us every week. PlugRush.com, a self-serve traffic network where you can buy, sell, and trade traffic. PlugRush.com, moving traffic forward.